I want to invite you to grab a Bible and open it to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. We're going to see that the psalmist was desperate for God. And in these two psalms, we're going to look at Psalm 42 and 43, we're going to see that there are some spiritual disciplines or some tools, if you will, that are offered that help us with despair and desperation. Um, But why don't we begin with a word of prayer. Father, we bow before you. I ask right now that you would give me clarity of thought and the exact words that you would have spoken. We pray that your word used by, applied by your spirit um, would encourage hearts or equip us for the next time that desperation and despair come our way. Uh, help us to recognize who, who we are in Christ as well as whose we are. And we ask that you use your word to do that. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We're in Psalm 42 and we're going to add Psalm 43 to it as well. Um, just a little bit about the Psalms as I get into this. Um, the book of Psalms is written, uh, there's 150 chapters, 150 different Psalms, and they're divided, I don't know if you know this, but they're divided into five different books. And the books are Psalm 1 to 41. This one is Psalm 42, so it's the beginning of book 2, uh, 42 to 72, Psalm 73 to 89, Psalm 90 to 106, Psalm 107 to 150. It's uncertain, I'm just quoting from a couple of commentaries, it's uncertain why the Psalms are divided into five books. The division of these Psalms is not based on their author, or it's not based on the chronology. Uh, For example, we'll note today that Psalm 30 was written after Psalm 42 and 43, Uh, so it's not uh, divided because of chronology either. The earliest existing copy of Psalms is from the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm sure you've heard and read about that and dates back to about the first century A.D. That copy shows the division of these five books in the book of Psalms. So at least the division was present at that time and sometime earlier also. Most likely they think Ezra and other Jewish leaders compiled the Psalms into these um, exist, the existing order that we have during Ezra's lifetime. Um, that would have been about the 4th century B.C. Interestingly, the Psalms, was, the Psalms was one of the most popular writings among the Dead Sea Scrolls, with about 30 scrolls having all or part of the books that are included. And so the Jewish worshipers used the book of Psalms a lot, and that's evidenced by the Dead Sea Scrolls. Each of the five books or sections of Psalms ends with a a doxology or a song of praise. Some suggest that the five sections of the book of Psalms correlate to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Um, and, and that the second book would be the one that begins with the book of Exodus. And the reason for that is because, one of the reasons for that is because Psalm 42 through 72, the second book of Psalms, highlights people crying out to God for deliverance, either because of individual concerns or because of national concerns. And that's what happened in the book of Exodus. So that's kind of interesting. It's also interesting that the divine name predominantly used in book two is Elohim, whereas the name that was used in book one, Psalms 1 through 41, was Yahweh. 
Um, not exclusively, but that's the, that's the uh, predominant name that's used. So let's do this. Let's read Psalm 42 and 43 together. Um, we're going to see that they seem to present the same theme. Psalm 43 might be an appendix to Psalm 42. And it's even true that in some Hebrew translations, the two Psalms are combined. In our Bibles, we have Psalm 42 and 43. Um, and there are some Hebrew translations that put it in one Psalm and combine the two. That's not, uh, that's not unusual, though. Um, we have uh, in our Bibles, First and Second Kings, um, in the Hebrew Scriptures, it's Kings. We have First and Second Chronicles in the Hebrew Scriptures, it's Chronicles. We have Ezra and Nehemiah as two different books. They have Ezra and Nehemiah as one book. And so that's not uncommon. The text doesn't change, just sometimes the divisions. Let's, uh, let's read Psalm 42 and 43. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Psalm 43 says something similar. You'll see the similarities. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitfulness, from the deceitful and unjust man. You are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let, me bring, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. These psalms I'm quoting record the feelings of someone who had been driven away from the place where he had been accustomed to worshiping God. 
I think David penned these words. It says to the sons of Korah, and in the beginning of the title of Psalm 42, it doesn't say that in Psalm 43, but what would happen sometimes is David would deliver to the sons of Korah, who were the musicians, psalms that he wanted included in the music portion of their worship, and then they would put them to music. It might be that that's the case here. I think it probably is, especially because of some of the internal things that he says. But the, these psalms record the feelings of one who had been driven away from the place where he had been accustomed to worshiping God and his recollection of those sad days when he, in, when he uh, endeavored to comfort himself in his despondency by looking to God and by dwelling on his promises. Every one of us that's here this morning came because we wanted to. We're here because we chose to get up and get ready and come to church. This guy couldn't go to the temple, couldn't go to the house of God. If he would have, they would have killed him. They drove him away. And so while he desired to go worship in the house of the Lord with the people of God, he was unable, he was incapable of doing that. We take it for granted that we always have this opportunity. And we would say, perhaps, but God is wherever I am and I can worship him wherever he is. And that's true also. And yet this man said, oh, that I could go to the house of the Lord with the people of God and worship him like I used to do. I used to lead them in doing that and now I can't do that anymore. I think we have more of a treasure in being able to come together and worship as a family of God than really what we realize. Um, We have it, and it's available to us, and we can always... Not everybody in our world has this either. There are places where where it isn't a choice of, do I want to go to this church in this city, or this church in this city, or this church in this city. It's, is there any believer anywhere that I can worship with? So we have, we're, we have some riches. Likely all of us will find ourselves again in some level of despair and desperation. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that's in that situation. You get a group of people this size together, it's very likely. But we're all going to find ourselves there again because of life. We live in a sin-filled world. Life itself or someone we know that we love will deliver something to us that disappoints, that leaves us feeling alone, maybe distance, at the minimum not enjoying the spiritual depth or the dynamic of the relationship that we've had with God in the past. And what we're going to find in Psalm 42 and 43 are some tools that could help us during that time. But let's be honest, sometimes Jerry can get so low I don't even want to pick up the tool. I might know that the tool's there. I might not know that I should pick up the tool, but I don't even have the energy to do that. And we're going to find some answers for that as well. As we work our way through these two psalms, I want us to highlight some tools, some spiritual disciplines that the psalmist used in the midst of his desperation and his despair. In three and a half decades of ministry, I have observed that some people get so low and I know some right now, that some people get so low that they don't even have the energy to pick up a tool. Go home, I've said this, go home, read this verse, not your Bible, not a chapter, read this verse, and when you've read it, come and talk to me, or text me, or call me, and they can't even get there. Sometimes because their spiritual energy is so zapped. 
We live in a, an aggressive world. That's where the ministry of the Spirit of God can bring hope. He prays for us when we don't know how to pray. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, when I don't even have the energy or the words to know what to pray or that I should pray, it says the Spirit, the Bible says the Spirit of God prays in, in an inner Trinitarian language, if you will, and He prays for what we need. Then there's also the body of Christ, the ministry of the people of God can help. When I am so zapped of my spiritual energy or been so um, uh, uh, knocked down because of something that's happened, the people of, 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 of faith can help me. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. We're talking about a brother who is faint-hearted or a sister who is faint-hearted and weak. They're so low because of something in life, like this man who penned Psalm 42 and 43, that they need someone to just kind of prop them up. And sometimes that's the ministry that we can do with other people as well. We sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. We go to somebody and we try and encourage them and prop them up. The Spirit prays for us. The body of Christ holds us up as well. The psalmist had a unique situation. This is his situation. Yours will be different, unique to you. It'll come again. You'll have another one. Sorry to be a bearer of bad news. It's not a copy and paste condition. We're all unique, and our life situation is unique as well. This man was used to and enjoyed the spiritual, vibrant relationship with God and going to the house of the Lord and worshiping with the people of God. It wasn't, I have to go to church. Do I have to go to church? I have to go to church because I've got to do this. That wasn't it. It was, I get to go to church. God is in that place. There's a special dynamic that happens when I worship him with the other people of God, and I get to be with the other people of God as well. And so it was, I want to, and he wasn't able to. He was used to enjoying a spiritual, vibrant relationship with God. He wasn't just religious. He knew his God. There was depth in their intimacy. It wasn't just a doctrinal understanding. There was personal relationship that was guided by truth, which is doctrinal truth, and it got beyond that. And he didn't have it anymore. He's been exiled or pushed out, and if he comes close to the house of God, his enemy will kill him. And it was either, if it was David, it was either Absalom, his son, who was trying to take over the kingship, or it was going back a little bit farther, Saul, uh, King Saul, who when he was threatened by David becoming the king, began to persecute him as well. He didn't have it anymore. As the deer pants or longs for or craves for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. He paints a picture of a deer longing for and craving the water of a fresh brook. Sometimes the deer's in the woods. Sometimes the deer's in the field. It's in the sun. It gets thirsty. It wants to find the water brook so it can refresh itself. And he says, that's what I need also. He likens the deer's thirst to his thirst for God. What he used to have with God, he didn't have anymore. The depth of his relationship with God had been hindered. And in this case, it was hindered by others. It was hindered by those who were persecuting him rather than just by himself. Well, couldn't he have just sat up and paid attention to who he knew he was in the Lord? Yeah, if he had the spiritual energy to do so. 
But he didn't have the Spirit of God indwelling at that particular time like we have. And he didn't have the body of Christ or others who feared God to be able to surround him and encourage him to do that either. My soul, it says in verse 2, thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He knew he could pray and God heard him, but he recognized that congregating with others in the house of the Lord was different. And when I came in here this morning, I knew the kids and the teenagers were going to be up here singing. And I knew that we were going to be a part of that. And I knew they were going to sing about uh, the house of the Lord and we're not going to be silent. I was excited about that. This guy got excited about going to the house of the Lord and interacting with other people. And and he didn't have that. His soul thirsted for that. And he knew it was special in a unique way when we're able to do that together. Can I worship by myself? Yes, I can. Is it different when I worship with the body of Christ? Absolutely. Completely different dynamic. He recognized the congregation with the others in the house of the Lord was different. It was special. It was unique. It added something to his relationship with God that couldn't be substituted. So you just disappear this morning or the vast majority and no one else shows up and I'm here. I can worship my Lord, but it isn't the same as if we're all here together. And it's not supposed to be the same as if we're all as if we weren't all together. We're interwound and interlocked. We're the body of Christ. And we have different giftings and we have different responsibilities. And we have an interdependence upon one another. And that smacks in the face of middle class Missouri that I have to depend upon you. And sometimes I just don't want to depend upon you. Let's be honest. And sometimes you don't want to depend upon me. I mean, I'll go to church. I'll sing happy birthday to Jerry. But to depend upon him, I don't know if I want to go that far. This man recognized the significance of the interdependence of the relationships that we have in the body of Christ. I hope that you're there or that God is growing you there to the place that we have, a, we have an understanding of that interdependence as well. He says, my tears have been my food day and night, sobbing all of the time, while they, my tears, continually say to me, where is your God? This guy's low. He's crying all the time, and it reminds him, the reason you're crying is because God isn't anywhere close to you. You don't have the intimacy that you had before. You don't have the people around you that you've had before, and so I'm crying a little bit more. And it reminds me again, where's my God? And I say to myself the same thing, and I cry a little bit more. And over and over and over. And it seems like it just takes you lower and lower and lower. And that's where there's times that we need the ministry of the Spirit of God interceding for us in ways that we don't even know how. Or a brother or sister in Christ coming along and lifting us up and, say, and saying, just walk with me for a little while. Lean on me. I, I, I want to point you to the Lord, but I can help you walk just for a little while until you get back up on your feet spiritually. Where is your God? He can't go to God's house like he used to. He had enemies preventing that. He wanted to worship like he had before, but he couldn't. It wasn't that he didn't. He couldn't. His tears are his constant reminder, and his own tears and misery, his despair, caused him to question, where is your God? God says this, but I'm not experiencing it. Kirk Mann might experience it, but I'm not experiencing it. God says this, Larry might experience it, but I'm not experiencing it. Where's my God? God says he brings peace. I don't have any peace. 
I mean, I can project that I'm doing okay, but there's just turmoil in my heart all of the time. And even when I come together, it's like I'm all by myself. God says he'll give victory over your enemies. I don't have victory over my enemies. My enemies won't even let me go to the house of the Lord to worship. So he says to himself, where is your God? Anybody there? Anybody ever been there? His unique situation resulted in inner turmoil. These things I remember when I poured out my soul within me. So he begins to talk to himself. Anybody talk to themselves? I talk to myself all the time. He, I pour out my soul within me. Same expression that's used with Hannah when she was pouring out her soul. We looked at it a couple, three or four weeks ago. Though she was pouring out her soul to the Lord because she was childless and God responded to her prayer in a favorable way. Same expression that's used of Job. Though Job is pouring out his soul not to God, he's just emptying himself because of the misery that's around him. The psalmist says, these things I remember, I can't go to the house of the Lord, I'm afflicted, I pour out my soul uh, within me. The psalmist talks to himself, for I used to go with the throng or the multitude and lead them in the procession to the house of the Lord. I used to have fellowship with others and I'd look forward to it, they were followers of God. I used to, I used to lead others to your house, Lord, I can't do that anymore. I used to go with the throng, the multitudes, lead them in the procession to the house of God with the glad shouts, shouts of joy, songs of praise. Meeting with God was a joyful thing like we saw up here this morning um, with a multitude that kept a festival of pilgrims feast we used to feast together and talk about the greatness of God and do you remember when God parted the Red Sea and do you remember when God did this and and then do you remember when God uh, uh, freed us over here from this but he couldn't do that there's joy in the house of the Lord and he wanted to be part of it but he couldn't like the kids sang this morning there's joy in the house of the Lord and we won't be silent we shouldn't be silent amen and not only should we not be silent, and it's easy to not be silent in here and to get really excited, but let's be careful that we're not silenced out there like some people want us to be silenced. We don't need to be obnoxious. We need to be appropriate, uh, but we don't need to be silenced. He continues talking to himself, verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil or disquieted within me? Why can't you just be still and know that God is in control? And I think those words, Psalm, Psalm something, I can't remember, I didn't look it up. Psalm something somewhere, uh, I, that, uh, be still and know that I am God, were, were penned after this. So perhaps God used this situation to teach him that spiritual discipline of being still before the Lord and recognizing that God is in control. Disquieted in me, troubled, sad. The word means literally to growl like a bear. Have you ever been so troubled that you just go, ah. I remember there was a time when one of my girls asked me, Dad, is everything okay? And I just, I, I, I didn't mean to grunt, but I just grunted. It was just the response that I had. To sound or make a noise as a harp or rain, to be agitated or troubled or anxious in mind, to moan internally. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
But he tells himself hope in God. He remembers the truth and the foundation of hope in the Lord. That's the ministry of the Spirit that gives us that. He even reminds himself that what he is experiencing is temporary. So we see him beginning to turn a little bit. I think the words of Psalm 30 were written afterwards, which would mean God used this situation to teach him another thing. And that's this. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. No hands, because it might be embarrassing. How many of us have weeped in the night? And when you wake up the next morning, you recognize, you know what? God is still a strong foundation. He's still there. My situation didn't change. My perspective on the situation changed because God has ministered to my spirit. My soul is cast down within me. To cast down means to sink down under the weight of sorrow, to be depressed, sad, grieved. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember from the land of, therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and of Mount Mizar. He remembers there's a brighter side to life that he doesn't need to dwell only on the difficult. The difficult comes. We've got to work through it. This, I remember you from the land of Jordan or Hermon and Mount Mizar, probably where he is in exile too. They pushed him off and so he had to run to the Jordan. He had to go to the mountains, Mount Hermon, this Mount Mizar. Not even sure where it is, but it looks like it might be by a place that had waterfalls. I want to read some thoughts to you from one commentator about this idea of I remember you. It's important to remember that there are two sides of every event that happens which seems so discouraging to us. There's a dark side and there's a bright side. God is still in control. That in certain states of mind, we can be prone to look only on the dark side to see only what's gloomy and discouraging. And when I get way down, my way downs are way down. My highs are high and my my lows are low. And there can be a tendency of my cup isn't half full, my cup is half empty, and it's got a hole in the bottom. And it's leaking over and over and over. And I just think about the dark and, and well, now this is going to happen. And this could happen as well. And why did this happen? But now it's going to be worse than that. Maybe you're there too. We can sometimes feel almost a gloomy, melancholy satisfaction in being miserable and making ourselves more unhappy as if we have been wronged and as if there were a kind of a virtue in this gloom like Rachel. And we read this from Jeremiah. Rachel lost her child. She refused to be comforted. She was comfortable, not comfortable, she was accustomed to her misery and she wouldn't let anyone come alongside her and comfort her. And we can do that sometimes. To the degree that I resist God's provisions that would free me from my present desperation, like a person who's hungry and they have food right beside them, but they choose not to eat it. Like a person who's thirsty, there's a cup of water in front of them and they choose not to drink it. Like someone who knows that I can call upon the Lord. He's always going to be there. Cast your cares upon me. I care for you. And I, and I choose not to call upon the name of the Lord. And find some sort of perverted satisfaction there. And then he finishes with this. It's the duty of the people of God to look at the bright side of things. To think of the past mercies of God. To survey the blessings which surround us still. To look to the future in this world and the next with hope. 
and come to God. Cast the burden on Him. It's a part of our spiritual dynamic to be cheerful. Joy in the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's part of the responsibility that we have, and it's a responsibility to the Spirit of God who lives within us. I have to resist joy in order to not walk in it. It's part of our responsibility to be cheerful. And a man may often do more real good by a cheerful and submissive mind in times of affliction than he could by much active effort in the days of health and plenty and prosperity. Every sad and despondent Christian ought to say to his soul, why are you cast down? Look at who I am in the Lord. Look at whose I am in the Lord. My health might not change. My relationship might not change. The situation and circumstance around me might not change. But look at who I am. I am in Jesus Christ. I am a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It isn't that one day I'll get them. I have them already. I might not walk in them, but that's my problem of not believing and walking in faith in the things that he's given me. I am rich beyond measure, as are you if you're a child of God. But when we get low... We don't go there. It's a a spiritual battle. And the Spirit of God prays for us. And our brothers and sisters can come along and lift us up as we gain that spiritual momentum again. But this guy didn't have that. But he told himself, hope in God. So he recognized the, the, the dynamic of hope. Deep calls unto deep at the roaring of your waterfalls. Probably he was sitting beside somewhere where there was a waterfall. And God even used nature and creation to cause him to think about his goodness Day after day, day by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. I say to my, my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And I think the tone changes here. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The hope, the truth of the hope of God prevailed. And I think now abideth faith and hope and love. 1 Corinthians 13, we recognize the greatest of these is love. And so sometimes we go right there and we want to talk about love. And that's always good and appropriate and significant. But hope is huge. Hope in recognizing God is God, and, and there, is a, there is a blessed hope that we're waiting for, the return of Jesus, and, and I'm going to get there. E- even if I fail, God's going to get me there because of the greatness of God. Hope is just massive. We see the spiritual tools of reminding himself of hope, crying out to the Lord with brutal honesty. You're not going to surprise God if you're brutally honest with him. He already knows meditating and contemplating on the good things from God to help deal with despair and desperation. Let's take a quick reading of Psalm 43 and look at, find another tool. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. Let me just stop right there for a second and talk about these deceitful and unjust people. They were wicked But they were so good at their wickedness, they could twist it around and make it look logical and truthful. We see that in our world, don't we? Somebody that isn't holy, somebody that's unholy, and yet they twist things around so that it looks logical and truthful when it's not. 
from the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. You are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. And that's the tool that I wanted us to see and pick up. The tools of the light of God and the truth of God. He illuminates what is genuine, what is true, the ability to see and understand his truth, which is his word, and all truth that exists is from him as well. Let them lead me, not, not, not those who seek to do me harm. Don't let the thoughts that I have about where are you, O God, don't let that lead me either. Don't let other things lead me. Let your light and your truth lead me so that I'll know by whom I'm being led to the source that's reliable as well. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. We get back to the house of God, to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy." That's where joy comes from. To God, my exceeding joy. Don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I've been married for a long time. 43 years. Thank you. (laughs) And I will never forget again. (laughs) But my joy doesn't come from my wife. I love my wife. And we can have fun together. I've I've got four kids. I've got 11 and three quarters grandkids. Love my kids, love my grandkids. The, the foundation and the source of my joy is my relationship with my Lord. And he brings them in. And he brings them in and, and, and he uses them to give me some of that joy. But my joy is in the Lord. There's joy in the Lord, period. And this guy's circumstances and situation hadn't changed yet. And he gets to the place of having joy, even though those who, those who are his enemy and lie about him didn't change. And he gets to the place of, I can have joy in the Lord. My circumstances and situations, if I'm in a bad one and I can step out of it, I ought to. But if I'm in a situation and I can't step out of it, I can still have joy in the Lord. It might be tough joy, but I can still have a joy in the Lord. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre or the harp, O God, my God. And I think the tone changes here. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And he wasn't there yet. He still wasn't able to go to the house of the Lord. And yet he realized my hope is in God. I don't know what kind of despair some are in this morning. I know there's some, and I know there's some that are listening, and they're in significant despair. Or I don't know what you're going to walk into in the near future or sometime in the future. Um, But let's learn and pick up the tools that this psalmist wrote about as well. Um, the, the, the hope that we have in God, remembering who he was and what he's done in our life as well, um, that he shines the light of his truth in our heart, as, as well as recognize when I get so low that there is no way I can climb out, the Spirit of God prays for me. The people of God are upholding me and encouraging me as well. When we get desperate, God is our answer. Amen? Let's pray to God. Father, we bow before you. I ask that you would use your word 
and maybe some of the things that were said to minister to the hearts of people. Father, whether we're in a desperate situation now or whether we're going to encounter one in the future, thank you for the ministry of the Spirit of God. Thank you for the people that you place around us, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you that we can remember back on your goodness and things that you've done. Give us those mental disciplines. But thank you that you do that even when we're so low that we can't even look to, to climb our way out through the Spirit, through the body of Christ. Thank you for your love for us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.